Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Collaboration Space brought to you by AVI SPL. I'm your host, Nancy Lucier. And with me today is Brian Phillips, who is the Director of Product Marketing for Video for Poly. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining Thank me so today. Much. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you could join me. So I know, Brian, we were going to talk today about meeting equity, which is still pretty much a hot topic. We've had kind of like you were saying, the return to office and then return to office 2.0. So what are some of the current challenges that you're hearing about with meeting equity and overall meeting quality? Yeah, boy, there's been so much change, right? And I think there continues to be so much change as companies are still figuring out what their new normal looks like. And it's funny, I think... Um, even as we've talked to a lot of our customers, we've seen a lot that they kind of thought, you go back in time a year and a half or two years ago, right? And they had been putting plans together for, okay, what does kind of the post-pandemic workplace really look like? And what are our plans? And how are we gonna reorganize our offices and the ways that people work and hybrid working and people who are fully remote? And how does this all kind of come together? And they had some, I think, thoughts and ideas around that. And then, well, here we are now in 2022, and I do feel like it's almost like at this 2.0 now of companies thought they had settled in and then the realities of the last year or two and what they've seen for what workers are trying to get out of offices and uh, the ways in which hybrid working really kind of fits into their workflows. Um, I think they're starting to, in some cases, reimagine things again. Around. Yeah, just when we thought we had it figured out. Right. Well, we we right? need to change it again. It's kind of continuing it to evolve. And it's been a real struggle, right? I mean, I think organizations are struggling to, I mean, in some cases, uh, hey, how, how do we get people coming back in? Maybe we, we want people coming back in a couple of days a week. Um, how do we encourage that? Because we've got a reluctant workforce in some cases that maybe doesn't want to come back in. And so I, how, I mean, in some cases it comes down to, sounds a little silly, right? But things like, well, hey, we're going to be bringing free lunch every Wednesday, um, right? It could be something as simple as that yeah. to, you know, what kinds of workspaces are we creating for people who come back in? If they just come back into a 2019 office, that doesn't, in a lot of workspaces, sound like a great incentive for wanting to come, wanting to come back in. And so what does the 2022 and beyond workspace really look like as a way of people feeling like, um, they're not just being dragged back in, but they're coming back in because they find value in it, right? Um, one of the things that we've been hearing from some of our customers too is, right, going um, initially in the pandemic, they said, well, what, what we really need to do in our workspaces is a lot more hot desking. So we're going to take away, you know, owned cubicles or owned offices, and now we're going to go to hot desking. So that that's going to be more flexible, right? Like that's really nimble and hybrid. And then they find, well, but that's not why people are going in the office. You're not you're not going through the effort to go into the office so that you can sit by yourself in a shared cubicle. You're On going a laptop in a video meeting because I can do that at home. Yeah, exactly, right? right? Yeah. So instead we need more collaboration spaces, not all these hot desking spaces, but more meeting spaces and collaboration spaces. And what does that really look like? So it's just, yeah, it's still, it's a lot to be determined, I yeah. think, for how this is going to evolve. Yeah. So we're thinking about, you know, the types of spaces that we need and what, what technology do we need to put in those spaces that can help with that meeting equity and that overall positive experience that we want everybody to have to keep them coming back to the office? Exactly. Because if it is, if you know you've got a lot of video meetings going on 
and you know if you go in the office that's going to be a pretty bad experience that's a pretty good incentive to stay home right if i feel like my webcam and my headset are going to give me a better experience than being in the meeting room you know that's so organizations kind of need to move beyond that and i think it's funny because again you've got different organizations kind of at different places in their video evolution right if you got a lot who were doing video pre-pandemic right we've got customers who've been doing video for 20 plus years right and so it's funny though i think in some cases that can drive a little bit of overconfidence like ah we got this ah, all these newbies trying to figure out how to do video <laughs> we've been doing it for two decades we've got this down but i think that overconfidence can result in again got a going into meeting rooms that were in many cases designed to connect to other meeting rooms, right? Like let's say we're a big global company headquartered in Dallas and we've got a regional you know, headquarters in Paris and Tokyo. And well, we designed our video conferencing to go in larger meeting rooms, connecting to other large meeting rooms in those locations. Well, in a flexible hybrid working world with a lot of people at home, that may not be a great experience either for the people at home or for the people in those meeting rooms. So how does that technology need to evolve in order to match the needs of this kind of hybrid working style where you suddenly have a ton of remote people dialing by themselves? Mm -hmm. So then in some cases, I think some of the newbies might almost be an advantage because they're looking at this fresh and they're coming into it with more of that perspective versus having kind of a legacy hat on but still trying to then start from the ground up and figure out what kind of technology is needed in my spaces to make this kind of hybrid working really work gets challenging, right? Um, especially, and things are moving so fast in terms of the technology that's going into rooms. Um, one of the things that we have been hearing a lot about from our customers is we need to have more equitable experiences for the meeting participants in meeting spaces so that they don't feel like they're just a, they're hidden in the background, right? You get the zoomed out view with a bunch of tiny little heads and nobody can recognize you, right? I need to feel like I'm an equal participant in these meetings. So we've got a feature on our solutions. It's called people framing, right? So it's taking and giving everybody their own up close within one screen that's then sent to the far end. So everybody's much more up close. Or you can do things like speaker framing. So it can actually zoom in specifically on the person talking for those meetings where it's like, oh, I'm presenting a new marketing launch plan for a new product. Right? I'm gonna do most of the talking. So it's probably better that I'm full screen. But again, we all know from, especially a lot of us who've been working in video for a long time, nobody's gonna touch remote controls to go manually zoom in. So having these kind of smart camera experiences becomes really, really important. I think to meeting equality. Mm -hmm. um, the other two that still kind of gets forgotten is around audio. We've been touting this for a long time, right? Like that audio is probably the most important part of your video calls. And if you're in a video meeting and something happens and you can no longer see, but you can hear, you can still continue to hold a meeting. If your audio goes out, your meeting is done, right? So. Yeah. I think in this kind of hybrid working world, that becomes even more important, whether it's the clarity of making sure that even the person sitting at the back of the meeting room can interject whenever they need to, right, to make their point, or things like technologies, like we've got our noise block AI and acoustic fence to block distractions that can happen. And again, those audio distractions were one thing when it was, oh, the big conference rooms in Dallas, Paris, and Tokyo that are connecting. Well, all of a sudden, when it's not three sites, but it's 30, because people are spread all over in smaller campuses or we're dialing in from home, suddenly those um, 
noise issues become exponentially worse the more people you have on call. So it's even more important to have these kind of smart audio technologies to make sure everybody is heard crystal clear. So it's just, again, a lot of these factors at play to make sure it's an equitable experience for everybody involved. Yeah, you'd hate, you mentioned first people framing and kind of being up close to the person on video. You hate to see like what the bowling alley look is, right? You're in a long, big room with a long conference room and I'm way back here and I'm like, hi, let's all talk together. Whereas if we're, we're up close and personal, that works much better. Yeah, you know, yeah. you used to be able to get away with that when it was just a mm -hmm. few rooms and so you're still, but now again, you're on that call with 30 locations, everybody is a smaller window and it just isn't going to work anymore. And it's it's the type of thing that's going to drive people away from the office and make them stay. Say, you know what? I can be more yeah. productive just getting on these calls at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are you hearing any differences in what people need or what's going on with the return to office or return to work based on either geography or demographics? Yeah, I think that's a big factor too, is different industries are in different places. So, for example, I think tech companies, um, tend to be more, uh, you've got a lot of workers who say I can be more productive at home and they, they tend to be more dispersed. And in some cases then executives are having to work a little bit harder to draw people back in versus sometimes more traditional industries. Like I've seen like, you know, law firms, um, consulting, things like that, that, uh, you know, have been able to get a little bit more of a, a return to the office culture. Um, I think to, there is a big geographical difference and, and it makes sense, right? You've got areas like New York or the San Francisco Bay Area or others with just horrendous commutes. And, you know, the people who have the hour plus long drives or train rides into the office are like, I'm going to need a real compelling reason to start doing that again. Whereas I think in a lot of the more mid-sized cities, right, you get a, a Des Moines or a Columbus, Ohio or a Jacksonville, Florida, and we are seeing much more around return to the office there in some of those locations. Um, I think the other thing too that organizations are seeing is in many cases, demographic differences around desire to return to the office, right? So, and we've even seen some stats around the, the younger the part of the workforce someone is, frankly, the more they want to be in the office. And it makes sense. I mean, I think of myself, as a 22-year-old new college grad starting my first professional job, yeah, working from home from my little apartment and not having any face-to-face -face interaction with my colleagues does not sound super compelling. And then, of course, as you get older and you start to have a family and maybe you move further out in the suburbs and the commute gets worse and you're well-established at that point, you start to go, wow, remote working, you know, every day sounds more compelling. So I think those kinds of demographic differences mm -hmm. are starting to be seen much more in a much more tangible way. And I think what organizations are starting to see is that if they want to keep and hold on to some of their younger stars, right? Some of those newer grads who have a ton of potential, uh, but maybe are frustrated at not getting the kind of mentoring and the kind of growth that they feel like they could get through more in-person interaction, they're going to look for those opportunities in other places that are going to give that to them. So it's a really tricky balance for executives, right? Because in this kind of job market that's still fairly tight, you don't, it's a carrot and a stick, right? If you bring out the stick too hard and try to force people back in, you're just going to lose people who um, don't want that. But what are the right carrots, whether it's free lunches and foosball tables, or again, just creating an office environment that's 
going to match their the new work style and what they need to get out of their meetings and their focus work, right? Those kind of things I think are going to be even more vitally important as we get to the next phase of all this. Yeah, it sounds like flexibility and different options are really coming Absolutely. into play. And, Absolutely. you know, you mentioned commuting, you know, I've done the commute to Manhattan by train. I've done the commute to Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles by car. I don't miss them. But uh, now I'm in Tampa, you know, my commute's not that bad. And I, and I do miss the social aspect of coming into the office. So I like the choice to do either. So it yeah, sounds like we, I think we have our work cut out for us, it sounds like. I think so. <laughs> and I think um, that's where most people ultimately are going to wind up, as I do think there's always, and even pre-pandemic within Poly, right? We've had a lot of people who are full-time remote for a long time, and that's worked really well. Um, and then we've had people who were full-time in the office and frankly, even still prefer that. They just feel like they can get more done. They like the routine of getting out of the house and going in. It's, I, I think a lot of people are going to find that a couple of days of the week in the office gives that kind of interpersonal collaboration, that face-to-face -face, that um, it's really going to help from a collaborative standpoint while then giving them those other days of the week to get that focus work done at home. I think that's where a lot of people are going to settle in. But that's where I think organizations really need to drive within their companies the what, what's the culture that we want? What are the expectations? And again, then, it, but it can't just be we mandate everybody comes in every Tuesday and Thursday. Again, that's not going to work. And you're just going to drive people away. You got to give, you got to have the carrots. You got to give the incentives for people to get back into. And the collaboration technology is such an important part of that. Uh, so people don't feel like they're losing productivity by jumping in the car and getting on the train. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense that we need to keep an open mind. Brian, thank you so much for sharing your insights sure. today and joining me. I really appreciate it. No problem. I'm happy to be here. So don't forget everyone, you can subscribe to AVISPL Info on YouTube so you never miss a video podcast episode. And if you prefer to listen on the go, you can listen to the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more information, visit avispl.com slash poly.